0: Welcome to the Rodeo Kids Podcast. I'm your host, Camry Rorda, And if you are a new listener, thank you for tuning in for the first time. And if you are a returning listener, Thank you for coming back. We really do our best here at Rodeo Kids to provide insightful, perspective-changing growth opportunities for you to learn and to develop and just to to share things that will inspire you and motivate you to become the best versions of yourself, both inside and outside of the arena. And that's what Rodeo Kids is about altogether. I want to take a minute just to share what fuels my fire right now. Uh, I was listening, scrolling through my TikTok the other day, and one of the things that I heard was, it was a Jordan Patterson or Jordan Peterson uh, TikTok, and he was talking about finding that thing that drives you crazy. What is that thing that really bothers you? And then doing something about it. For me, the phrase kids these days just gets under my skin. It gets used all the time, and... I believe that kids these days are the way they are because of adults these days. And I don't want to be the adult that contributes to the reputation um, and the habits and the, the stereotype and the reputation that kids have today. I want to be the adult that steps up and provides opportunities and helps them to see their potential and gives them those opportunities to step up and to hold them accountable and to respect them as they learn and grow and give them just the space to become who they're meant to be and So that's what Rodeo Kids is about, is changing the stereotype of kids these days into, yeah, kids these days are awesome right now. Like, these kids are on fire. We just had five kids in person, and Callie joined us online. The kids who are part of our Rodeo Kids leadership team came for the first annual Rodeo Kids leadership retreat, and these kids are amazing, and they were willing and hardworking, and they kept after it and stuck with it, and... They are wanting to change the world. Their ideas deserve to be heard. Their actions deserve to be recognized and allowed. And we need to, as adults, give them the patience and the space to learn and to grow and to challenge them to step up. And so that's what we're doing at Rodeo Kids. And we want to invite all youth to be a part of our program. One thing about rodeo is that it is an individual sport for the most part, you know, unless you've got family that does it on a day-to-day basis, it can get pretty lonely and it can be hard to overcome those challenges that come with being a rodeo competitor, like the mental side of it and the physical and the motivation. So Rodeo Kids is here to, to develop that support system, that team atmosphere that traditional school sports has. Uh, It's just awesome. These, the team leaders this year can account for just how neat it is when you've got other people and you realize that they're just like you chasing their dreams. And um, when you can hold each other accountable and share your biggest dreams and, and push each other through the hard times, it just comes a little different from someone other than your parent or your sister or your brother. So listening to this and you feel like a team is just what you need head on over to rodeokids.com and become an ambassador today to become a rodeo kids ambassador you have until april 30th to sign up for the ambassador team you can join the site at any time but to have the perks like being on podcasts like today the monthly team zooms and other opportunities that we have for the rodeo kids this year uh, you must be an ambassador by april 30th so that you can get the full feeling of a team so head on over to rodeokids.com and check it out now let's get started with this week's rodeo kids podcast guest brought to you by team leader Lake west and featuring three-time world champion bareback rider and 12-time nfr qualifier a man that if you're familiar with rodeo at all you have heard his name he has made waves and continues to make waves and has so much to offer the youth and families during this podcast so, we would like to welcome Tim O'Connell to the Rodeo Kids Podcast. World changer, history maker. World changer, history maker. Welcome to the RodeoKids.com Podcast, where we empower youth to be their best selves through the values and traditions of the rodeo and Western lifestyle.
1: Hey Tim, how are you doing? What's up, Lay? How are you, buddy?
0: I'm good, hey, how are Tim? you?
1: Welcome. What
2: do we got on here? Hello.
0: Hey, we have, so I'm Cammy, and then Crowner Essick is listening in with us while he's headed to a clinic, and Macy Paul is another one of our Rodeo Kids ambassadors listening in. Nice. Well, welcome to the Rodeo Kids podcast. Um, thanks for being here.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: I'm just going to jump right in here, and, uh, So I know how um, in high school you were a big wrestler, right? Yep. So during your wrestling wrestling days, how did you just – how did you keep so devoted and how did you keep at it to become to the level you got to?
2: Honestly, I had success – I was on the starting lineup as a freshman on the varsity side, and I really probably wasn't ready to be on the varsity lineup yet, but – I like, to, I like to get in wars on the wrestling mat and get in fights. And at the end of the day on the wrestling mat, it's either you or me and I wanted it to be me. Well, uh, I finished that season by going to state with uh, two of my teammates. And the problem that happened was both, I was a first day elimination at the state tournament and both of them went on to place. And that just rubbed me so wrong that, uh, you know, both of them got medals and I was sitting there with nothing. And uh, it kind of just drove me, you know, like I hated not winning. I hated, you know, I hate losing more than I like winning at the end of the day. So I, uh, I kind of changed my whole perspective. I figured out what I was – I watched my tape back a lot, and I figured out what I was really good at on the mat and what I probably wasn't the best at and that I needed to improve on. So from there, I got back in the gym got back in the gym, started getting ready for the wrestling season, would go to open workouts. And then when the season started, I could be in the wrestling room all the time. I would wake up at uh, about 530 every morning, be in the practice room at six, have an hour and a half workout in the morning, shower, go to class all day. And then we had a three hour workout at night for practice. So, and I did that every day for three years straight. So, I mean, I was doubling everybody's practices and I was working in the off season and I went from being a 24 and four to, I went to, I was a 26 and six record my sophomore year, my junior year, I was 30 and eight. And I only lost to kids that were either, that placed in the top four in the state of Iowa. And then my last, my senior year, I was 41 and four. And two of those losses came at the state tournament. Went on to get a medal, finally. Finally got my medal my senior year and almost got into a state championship. Oh, I mean, I was in the semifinals. I was pretty close to going to the finals in my senior year. It's
1: pretty awesome. So you were pretty the definition of uh, putting in the work when no one else did.
2: Yeah. I mean, whether you're on a wrestling mat or in a rodeo arena, everybody can see what it's like in the light. But what you do in the dark when no one's around you. I mean, like, if you want something bad enough, you got you to gotta be thinking there's someone out, out there that wants it just as bad as you do so i like to think to myself every day when i go to the gym there's some young like where i'm at now in my life there's some really hungry young kids that want a world title and uh i want my world title i want my fourth world title worse than they want their first world title but when you're hungry at the bottom and you've been at the top you got to be hungrier at the top you can't just be satisfied with where you're at so i think like that all the time like What's one more rep gonna hurt? What's one more what's doing one more set of this gonna hurt? Like you're only gonna better yourself. What's one more time on the spurboard? Like, you know, putting myself in situations that better better me than my competition. And I have no idea how hard my competition works. So I push myself to the brink of exhaustion usually most of these days, especially getting ready for the finals. Like I've been uh been working with a trainer for a long time and there's a lot of days he'll get me to thrill up. You know, like we'll just work that hard and we're not afraid to go that hard.
0: Have you read The Power of One More? I have not. By Ed Milet. It sounds exactly like what he says. He's a big motivational guy right now. And I listen to his podcast sometimes and he's got a book and it's like The Power of One More. And it's just doing one more all the time, no matter what it is. And it sounds like that's what you do. Like it is the power of one more
2: yeah i mean and and that's i think that's just a winner's mindset like when you when you've tasted the pinnacle of what you want to do if you've you've accomplished your goal like you want you want it again like um i've explained winning a world title like almost like a drug like and i've never done drugs by the way but uh when you get handed a gold buckle, your very first gold buckle, you get flooded with emotion. You want to cry, you want to jump up and down, you're so excited, you're so humbled, you're grateful, but you're ecstatic, you're the best. It's a it's a a tornado of emotion, of the greatest emotions that you can possibly feel. And then you walk out of the smoke to the Thomas and Mac and you they claim you as their their world champion. And in that moment, like that's what winning a world title is is about it's also about the journey I'll get to that in here in a second but like when you finally get it when it's finally done and over and, and you've hit the top of the mountain you know like I can only imagine it being like going to the top of Mount Everest you know it's such a climb up there and you know like I've we've really looked back on my career and you know, like for a long time, I was like, I was like this. I was just blinded to the end of it. And I stopped kind of enjoying the process of it. But now like we're back on to like, we need to embrace the grind of it. So you need to embrace every big rodeo you go to. You need to embrace every small rodeo you go to. All the extra time you spend in the gym, all the times you get on the spur board. The process is just as important as the final victory. Because you're going to look back on you can look back on the year and like when you get a gold buckle or vice versa or a state a state medal it's not the the last one that you got on it's there's there was something that happened and there was a defining moment in that year that stood out to you to where you knew that you you were not going to be beat your confidence you did something so special that you knew that your confidence was going to propel you to the to the end goal and it, like, propels your riding. It propels your your attitude. It propels your confidence. Like, you kind of walk around with a swagger after that.
1: So you wrestled in high school. When did you decide that you wanted to, I know at the time, ride bulls? But, like, how did that transfer to that?
2: From bull riding to bareback riding?
1: No, from, like, when wrestling. Or, like, when did you get started in rodeo?
2: I mean, I was always involved in rodeo. You know, my dad was a pickup man. My brother yeah. was – you know, a rodeo athlete to a pickup man to now a contractor, you know, like I was really always going to follow in them footsteps. I just really didn't know where my place was in rodeo yet. I knew it was more than likely on the rough stock side of things, but the beauty about rodeo and wrestling is one takes place in the winter and the other one's pretty much all summer, especially at that age. Like there's nothing to go to in the winter and there's nothing that you need to go to in the winter. Um, So it was really easy for me to you know, go high school rodeo or run around with the Moorheads all yes. summer. And then once school started, start focusing back on wrestling. And then like, I I loved playing all sports. I mean, I w- wasn't big enough to play football, so I didn't play football, but I just got ready for wrestling. But then I ran track and, you know, like I really loved experience in all aspects of all different sports. And I played football a little bit with my buddies, but I was just too small at the time to go, take a hit from a 200 pound linebacker and uh, at 112 pounds getting ready for the wrestling season. It just was not the the thing for me. But uh, yeah, I just played all sports. So it just was really easy for rodeo to be my summertime sport, wrestling to be my wintertime sport, track to be my springtime sport. And, you know, like I enjoyed hanging with my like a lot of my best friends were on the football team. So I was always on the stands, always running around, just getting ready.
1: Yeah. Um, so you, so I know you did, um, transfer from bulls to barebacks. How did that work? How'd you, when did you make up your mind for that?
2: So like I was a bareback saddle bronc, and bull rider about for about three rodeos when I was a freshman in high school. And, uh, it just did not work out whatsoever. I mean, I was too small, had no idea how to ride bucking horses, was getting slammed to the ground. Getting concussed to the point where I, they weren't letting me get on my bulls, and my bull riding was by far my best event. And I kind of quit the horse riding altogether for about till I was about a senior. No, oh, I wasn't senior. I was halfway through my senior year, and I was kind of in a slump in the bull riding, wasn't coming out of it. And I was at the Three Hills Buckout, and we ended up getting on, I'm not really sure why, but I got on some bareback horses that day. And <clears throat> One of them went really bad and two of them went pretty good. So that was, uh, that was enough excitement for me to start, you know, I want to, I want to ride bareback horses and high school rodeos. I'll just sit in the high school rodeos. Well, then I started riding pretty much everything I got on in the high school rodeos and it really actually helped my bull riding out quite a bit. Cause it slowed everything way down and, I got into a really bad wreck at the high school finals the first night of the bull riding. I was up at like the Sunday night perf and this bull turned back and I cut his corner off and he welded me and then he just proceeded to hang me up and beat the ever living tar out of me. And uh, like he cut my ear halfway off and shattered my helmet off. And there was, it was bad enough that people were starting to run out into the arena. And then I remember the last thing I remember was he finally hit me underneath the chin and it broke me free. And, but then he hooked the dog not <laughs> out of me with me. And the bullfighter jumped over top of me and then he just hooked me in the bullfighter for a while. And I remember waking up and we were in Gillette, Wyoming and my mom was standing in there and I knew how far it was from the arena to the stands. And I was like, Whoa, I've been in here for a while. And uh, yeah, so they stitched my ear back together and uh, put it back on the side of my head. And yeah, that was the, uh, I just didn't, I didn't like it anymore. Like it, it put the fear, the fear God in me truthfully. Like I just, I didn't enjoy getting on bulls anymore. And so I got on barebacks the rest of the summer, went to college, rode bulls for about another semester. And I was just over it. And when my coaches finally told me I could quit. I sold my stuff the next week and never looked back.
1: That makes sense. You were talking about the journey in the end, when you went to your first finals, can you express like the journey to that point and knowing that you sealed the deal, how were your emotions then?
2: I mean, I was excited. Like I was, you know, a college athlete at uh, the school I wanted to be at and I'd made my first fight. Like I was, I was just winning. Like it was, it was easy. Like I was, had a really good group of traveling partners. Like it just seemed like the right ones were getting underneath me. I was making good rides all the time. And when I seen uh, it, like back then, it only took about $65,000 to make the bareback ride and at the finals. And I went in in like the number four spot, like I wasn't worried about nothing. Like I was just cruising and cruised right to my first finals by about August. I had it locked in and then just had a massive September. Like, I don't know if I lost a rodeo in September. Like I won Pendleton, Omaha, Omaha's Champions Challenge, Fort Madison the shootout like it was it was dumb like I was on a run in September and uh, I knew then like I had the finals made like it was a done deal and yeah like it's it's really exciting but the the most exciting part like because then you go on break right and you go you have about eight weeks off to get ready for the finals and you got to figure out. And like, back then I didn't know how to get ready for the finals. The finals is an animal within itself. Like anybody that's never participated will never understand how physically abusive that finals really is. And, uh, Butch Knowles, he kind of talks about it when you're getting in the ninth and 10th round, like how beat up the guys are, but like, there's a lot of truth in that. And, uh, You know, there's a lot of times we get on 10 head in a row, but there's not, there's never a time within the regular season, you're going to get on 10 of that caliber in a row. So if your body is not physically ready for it, like it is mentally and physically absolutely draining, especially if you don't know how to handle Vegas either. Cause uh, you'll have people coming out in waves to want to see, uh, want to, you know, hang out with you, but they're there to party for three days. You've been there for 14 days already. Like you've got to learn how to, Hey, like I want to see you guys, but I'm going to go to, I'm going to dinner at this time and then I'm done that I'm going to bed. Like, so you guys are going to stay up till five o'clock in the morning. And I'm not like, I'm going to get up and work out the next morning. So see ya. I'll see you in the morning at breakfast or something like that. If you're still up, but uh, the one, and I'm really good about having a great memory for, for rides and where I was at and what I was doing but the one thing that really solidified it for me when they played the cue song in the the light works or the light show started going off and then they played the net like when they start bringing in at the thomas and Mac for the opening round of the first finals like you've never felt an exhilarating feeling like that in your life and uh i don't even i cannot bring back in my memory what happened on the first horse that I ever got on. It was like, I just blacked out. Like I can remember it now cause I've watched it a few different times, but like I have no recollection of what happened on that horse. Yeah. That's, that was the aha moment. you made it.
1: Yeah.
0: Do you think there's an advantage? Like I heard somebody the other day, I don't remember who we were talking to, but they were talking about the bareback riding and how nice it is that like you get to be the first event because you have all that adrenaline from like you guys are the, the gunners, you get to go out and start the show. Do you think there's an advantage to that?
2: Yes and no. I am a. I I do think there's an advantage to it because like, you kind of need that adrenaline, right? But like, and I'm not going to say there and, and like disrespect. I don't want to disrespect any other event because like I love rodeo as a whole. But like mm-hmm. I do feel like bareback riding is one of the most exciting events to watch, and that's why they start it, like that because it it is so physically demanding things can go wrong so quickly things can go right so perfectly. like you're getting a mix of like the danger of bull riding and the poetry of saddle bronc riding all in one mix and it's like once you know like it's kind of like someone explained it like this one down like bareback riders were like the rock band. so like you you've already like kind of pumped your crowd up well like let them see the rock show and like let them kind of run with the show at that point like pump them up with the bareback riding and then bring them into the beauty of rodeo you know like and keep them keep them engaged keep them entertained because like you go from us right to like steer wrestling Well, then you got some big ogres chucking steers on their back like it kind of flow like the uh, the order of rodeo really flows with each other
0: Mm -hmm. that's a good way to put it
2: yeah like i i do feel like keeping keeping the order how it is like really like intertwines like let's bring them up and then let's kind of Bring them into like the with the, you got bareback riding, steer wrestling, and then usually you if you have team roping, team roping after steer wrestling usually yeah team roping team goes roping
0: then saddle and bronc. So then you're kind
2: of bringing like bringing back uh, team roping into saddle bronc riding, like the poetry of rodeo, and then calf roping showing the hair like you show the the two mains that start right saddle bronc riding and the tie down roping like the two classic tradition. events like that's where tradition yeah. brought it. And then you bring back the speed of barrel racing and the danger of bull riding to sell it out. And yeah. now we're getting into now we're getting into breakaway roping too, and that's as fast as you can run it. Like,
0: yeah, I think that's a really cool way. Um, you know, one thing that I found is so many people um, get to be on the competitive side of it, but as a competitor, you don't really look into the production side of it and the reason that things are the way they are. So I think explaining that really sheds some light not only on the importance of the order of events, but like you were saying, the poetry of it and like the show and the production of it. I think that's uh, just a really neat way to look at rodeo and, and the the cool event that we get to produce.
2: Yeah, and like 2020, like kind of showed like, I love rodeo with all my heart, but we can't do rodeo without our fans. Like at the end of the day, we are, we are entertainers to entertain a crowd doing mm-hmm. something that is, really dangerous and that we all love at the end of the day. Like uh, we are not football and we will never be football because football can be played in an empty stadium and people are going to tune in to watch it. It's pretty tough to have people tune in, even with the cowboy channel to watch an empty rodeo arena. And plus I'm not going to lie. I rode in those empty arenas. It absolutely sucks to do that with no, no audience. Like a lot of what we do is played off the energy of an audience
1: too. And I, yeah. I do agree with um, you guys saying, like, there's so much more than just loading the horses and bucking them. Like, we at these world's toughest, I get to sit and watch the production meetings. And what goes through, it's so much more complex than what people think. Anyway, you were talking about how you're on the road to your first finals. You had important people and friends. Are they there to help you and do do they fuel you?
2: 100% and there's a there's a saying out there like if uh if there's five winners and you're the sixth one hanging out with them you're going to be a winner. If there's five losers and you're the last one that has started hanging out with them you're going to probably be a loser. Like you're only as good as your competition. And like that's even in the Bible in uh Proverbs 27:17 Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. You know like that's is true to the core as you can possibly get like you and that's why like for me like i only travel with guys that want to be world champions like so that means like you don't get a day off like you can't be the best guy in your rig and your group of guys if you're clearly the best guy you're not pushing yourself but if you're traveling with two or three others or one other guy that is a real contender for a world championship like you're going to bring your a game every time you wake up And, like, you're not going to give yourself a choice or else you're just not going to win. If you're not winning, you're not feeding your family at the end of the day.
1: When you won your last world title, I remember watching a documentary on you and you said how the arena just – do you remember anything like what you were thinking? Did you – like when you injured yourself in the 10th round? Yeah. um,
2: I mean, I did. I blew my shoulder 100% apart. Like, there was a – I think the only thing left – I had one – one tendon that held that shoulder into place, everything else was pulled apart. I mean, the capsule was torn at 90%. I tore the supra, infra, labrum, bicep. Uh, my shoulder did dislocate and tear everything out. It's not something I would recommend, but uh, I remember remember absolutely everything of that, truthfully. It was, uh, I made a really good ride. I had a really strong mark out horse circled around to the right and I picked his timing up really good and uh coming out the end he stepped ahead and I was kind of I was rolling at that point and it just it finished the ride off good because I needed to be like 87 and a half to win the average and I knew I took my chance to win the average at that moment too because I knew I had the ride completed and I really just had to make a ride to win a world title but I wanted to win the average title too and uh I knew this horse was hard to get off of and I knew that because she's built and she's built big in the front end she's built skinny in the back so when you go to double grab and put your feet down your feet just well she had me so like she had me loose at the end of it like I wasn't loose bad but like I was pretty wide open and when I went to go double grab and settle down my feet did exactly that and I remember looking up and I see my rigging handle looking straight down I was like okay just look to the left side and the way my stuff was set up, I was like, I'm gonna hang for just a jump. Like I'm gonna hit, hit my feet and open my hand and it's gonna hang there for one jump. And then when she goes to kick the next jump, it'll fall out. But like, I was gonna take like a bungee cord effect. And I knew that was coming. What didn't cross my mind in that moment was she was still turned, like we were close to the fence. So she cut to the right as this happened and it spun me around. And when it spun me around, my feet kind of hit the ground first and had me in an awkward position with my hand over my head. And then she stepped on me. Like as she was turning her back feet, stepped on my back legs, and it just bow and arrowed affected me. And it's like the the pry point was my shoulder, and it blew my shoulder apart, and then it slung me to the ground, and I hit the <laughs> ground like really hard. And I remember the, you know, this is seventeen thousand, like roaring fans but i remember the arena just going quiet and i could see like i hit the ground and it was like the bells were ringing and i could see all this fringe on the ground and i was like that fringe looks like my fringe," and i was like she just ripped my shafts. how freaking ridiculous <laughs> and then i kept turning and like she had like when she stepped on me she fell down and like yeah. so i turned and then, like, there's the horse's butt and feet. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> no. So I, like, backpedaled out of it and rolled. And she got up and went on. And uh, I remember feeling my shoulder click back, like, click back into place. And I was kind of on all fours. And then, like, I had, like, people overtopping me immediately. Like, I didn't know how bad the wreck was. But, like, I knew it was bad when two guys, like, just immediately got of me. And then sports medicine was out there. And like, granted, like I just won the average and won the world and like, you're supposed to be doing victory labs and I'm walking and like my leg's not working right because I got stepped on and I'm telling them I'm all right. And I remember uh, they wanted to do an interview and Tandy Freeman, the head of sports medicine for Justin sports medicine goes, he's not doing a single, like a single interview until he comes back to sports med. So they just walked me straight up to sports med and, he starts doing his evaluation. He goes, <clears throat> he told me pretty much that night that that shoulder was wrecked. And a month, month and a half later, I was under the knife. But you know, that, I do just remember everything just going, and it was like, everything was in slow motion. Like to the point where I'm noticing fringe tore off my shafts in the arena. And then all of a sudden, like there's a horse's butt. Like you gotta get out of here. And right when you watch it in, in live, like television like it happened really fast Mm -hmm. like how that all went down like that was maybe two seconds but it felt like a minute
0: they say that like when you get in those severe accidents like I remember I totaled my truck on a mountain pass one time and it probably same deal like it couldn't have taken very long like I hit black ice but it just felt like it was in slow motion and I remember thinking am I gonna die right now and I was like okay no I'm not and then it sped up (laughs) but it was like for it felt like an eternity I was just like floating through space and it was just happening. Yeah. Crazy how that works.
1: When when it happened, like did you I've never been like severely injured like that. It just baffles me how you just how you just explain that perfectly and like how you're just like, Oh okay, look to the left. Like like how that just goes through your head and you're like fringe? That's mine. It just crazy how I think it's just
2: being very aware in the moment, being very aware on the back of buck horses. Like I said, like back then, like my eyesight was focused solely with the blinders on, on a gold buckle. I knew after that moment when I heard that whistle off, like now it's time to go get your gold buckle. So like, but like I've been in bad wrecks before where I was getting backdoored or getting hung up. And like when I do schools and stuff, like there's just no acceptance for getting hung up. Like there's always something you can do and getting hung up absolutely sucks and even with the best pickup men in the world out there like it is an absolute mauling that you take for getting hung up and it if just being a little bit more aware on the back of a bucking horse does that like i know like if i'm in a bad situation like that like just whatever you do like they just pulled a gun out in a knife fight or in a fist fight like you are your back's against the wall. Like you've got to make the move to get out of the way. And that's what it was for me in that position. Like, you know, the last time I was hung up, like it was a really weird situation that happened, but it was my fault too. And I had to take two whole laps around uh, the Calgary Stampede Arena, which has 37 bucking shoots on one side. Granted, like it is a quarter mile track and we went around it twice to the point where I'm starting to pass out and I, the pickup man had the rope around the horse's neck and he had a hold of me by my hand and he had a hold of me actually by my thumb. And I told him just to break it. And I was like, just break it and get me out. He grabbed me by the thumb. and He cranked my thumb back and it broke my bind, but it also spiral fractured my hand to do it. Like, so the, the consequences from getting hung up can be so severe. So, I mean, just knowing that in the back of your mind, like for me, I'm a left-handed bareback rider. So no matter what, right's not an option it's never an option so like that's why I said just look left and then knowing how your equipment's set up to knowing like if I'm gonna take this swan dive right here like how long is it gonna stay in this rigging before it actually comes out and I knew the way I set my stuff up it takes two pops to get it out so the first pop is gonna be me hitting the ground and then I'm gonna need the horse to do the rest of the work so Hmm. just a lot of
0: practice that kind of stuff like for kids you know you're saying that there's always something that you can do so like at your clinics or even yourself when you were preparing before you were at the level you are now are there things that you did to practice not getting hung up or getting off your horse
2: yeah so like at my schools and like I learned this the hard way because I didn't really go to any schools because like when I started riding barebacks I went straight to college Mm -hmm. so but when I do clinics and stuff now like uh we practice a hang up situation one time. Cause like, I don't even want like the word hang, hang up, like living in your brain. Like, I don't want to mm-hmm. talk about it because if you talk about it and think about it, you've got to say seven positives to get it out of your brain. And like,
1: mm-hmm.
2: that's like when I tell kids, like, you know, like people will talk about like, don't miss, don't mess your markup out. That's a horrible thing to tell somebody. Like you can just keep telling someone strong mark out, strong mark out. So like when they're, when their brain's firing, it's a strong mark out. You know, so like, that's all their brain is thinking about is a strong mark out and this and that. Like, so we don't, we don't preach negative thoughts at my clinics, but we like, we do show the hang up once and like what it looks like and what to do to get yourself out of it. And then Mm -hmm. as soon as that's done, I hammer the fact that you should never be hung up.
1: And
0: Mm -hmm. if you get
2: hung up more than, more than once at my clinic, I just, you're done. Really? Yeah, because there's no reason for it. Like I always have, like the best pickup man possible to be there, and mostly if you're getting hung up, it is your fault. Like we have very nice horses for them, so like Mm -hmm. they're choosing almost to just to give up in the fight. And make no mistake about it, bareback riding is a a very physical, very big fight, and you Mm -hmm. gotta have a you gotta have a dog in you, you gotta have a fighter's mentality in you, and if you're if you're giving up like that and then letting them, it puts everybody at risk. And at the end of it, you're at huge risk, horses at huge risk, two pickup men are at huge risk. At a school, there's a lot of people going to start running out to help you, it puts everybody else at risk. So if you're just consistently getting hung up, like you're doing you're not playing the game. You don't want to actually be in the fight. If you don't want to be in the fight, I'll never let you be in the fight. Like if you don't want to be in that fight, there's never a reason to run your hand into a bareback rating.
0: Hmm. That's a really strong point, And I think that's like a hard truth that a lot of people need to hear. Like, Hey, you're either all in or get out because you're going to cause problems.
2: Well, I hate to say this, especially talking to young kids, but like, there's a lot of people that I see that are doing it because their dad couldn't do it. Their dad really wants and wanted to do it, was never very good at it, but like they push their kids to do something and the kids don't really want to do it. And you can see that when you look into their eyes that they don't want to be there. And I just tell them that, like, if you don't want to do this, I'll never make anybody rack their hand around. Like when you put your hand into a bareback rigging, like there's a, there's a strong sense of wild that runs in your veins. Like, and if you don't have it, like, there's no reason. There's other, there's other things you can do in rodeo to be involved in rodeo. Cause like, and that's why we have so many different events, but like the danger level of bareback riding is unforgiving. So I never, if you don't want to be in it, if you don't want to be in that kind of war, like you just don't have to. And it's not a, you're being a baby or, you know Mm -hmm. we're not going to consider you as tough or anything like that, like, that mentality should, of the old way of thinking, needs to be completely thrown out the window, like, especially, like, with concussion stuff anymore, like, a lot of kids need to understand, like, if you hit your head, the old way of thinking is starting to really get pushed out the window, and Mm -hmm. I'm very happy toward
0: that. Yeah, you bet, and the longevity of our athletes will be longer because of that.
2: Yeah, like, I want, you know, late to have a career like mine to where if he wants to, you know, I'm 31 years old now and I could still probably rodeo for another decade if I want to, I do not want to, by the way, I don't want to be 40 (laughs) years old rodeoing, but, um, I could be because of how I take care of my body and because I listen to my body. And if I'm seeing stars after I get off a bucking horse, I'm not going to go get on for probably a few weeks. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, I listen to my body and I listen to people I surround me with and, uh, I don't I don't take that. Number one, I don't take kindly to someone pushing someone to get on something if they're hurt. And two, I just won't stand for it anymore either. And neither will a lot of these professional athletes.
0: It's really cool that you guys are taking a stand against that. Like, that's what it's going to take, you know, to have that wake up call.
2: Well, think of it like this. If Patrick Mahomes had a broken hand on his throwing hand. Do you think they're going to let him play football? No, we just don't have, in rodeo, we just don't have somebody that's going to take the decision out of our hands for us. So we got to be, a, we got to be conscious of taking the uh, decision out of our own hands.
0: Yeah. And like you said before, like with the support system, supporting or, you know, creating a support system that will take that stand for you. If maybe you are unconscious or your brain's not working right, that they're like, dude, like absolutely not. Having those people in your life who have your best interest at heart as well uh, for the long term, not just the short term.
2: Well, the other thing about it is too, like, and people like to pick on the bareback riding because there's not a lot of, not a lot of bareback riders in the world. <clears throat> but the quality of bareback riding has never been so high and mm-hmm. deep. And uh, if you're hurt and you're playing half cocked, it'll show, and you're not going to win anyway. Good point.
0: One of the questions that I had, so like, as you as we're talking about this stuff, you know, and, and kids getting into it and whatnot, like when should a person start riding rough stock? I know there seems like there's a lot of mixed opinions on the mini bucking horses and that kind of stuff right now. What's your take on it?
2: I don't have a good take for the mini bucking horses, truthfully. Mm -hmm. I love that kids are getting involved with rodeo, but these young kids, their bodies are developing. Like even these ponies that like. These ponies aren't that great without. or off the ponies without like crashing them out. Mm-hmm. And if there is a bad situation, like a hang up or something, I've seen them ponies run under pickup men's horses, and they can't do anything about it. Um, mm-hmm. I support a hundred percent getting the youth involved in rodeo at a young age, but I don't think rough stock, especially bareback riding, is the way to go with it. Like I didn't get on a bareback horse till I was eighteen years old. Mm -hmm. like I dabbled in it when I was 14 I got on like three horses when I was a freshman realized that I wasn't big enough to do it and I was still growing from my freshman to my senior year but like I said I really didn't get on a bareback horse consistently until I was 18 years old and five years later I was a world champion Mm -hmm. a lot of times when you can see these kids that have been getting on consistently since they were 13 or 14 years old, by the time they're in their early twenties, their bodies are so beat up. They don't have a a longevity of a career that you could, if you would have just, you know, pulled the bit in their mouth and kind of settled them out a little bit. And when you're a junior, I think by the time you're a junior in high school, if you can fundamentally ride your spur board correct and do things uh, fundamentally correct on the stationary bucking machines that are, that are out there, um, You could probably get on a live animal, but like Mm -hmm. a really, a really weak one, something that can teach you because there's nothing you can do on the ground that will prepare you for the speed of a real bucking horse. Yeah. So I would love to see kids wait until they're 17, 18 years old, 16 at the very earliest if there's someone developed out. But uh, like I said, these kids' bodies are still growing and I want to see them, them kids propel it into going to the national finals and getting in world title races than for a saddle and high school rodeo.
0: Yeah. I think that's a very valuable point. And it's, you know, I love that you're still encouraging them to be involved. And plus, I would think that if you can ride a horse and you can gain that balance and get to know like, we I've talked with some other athletes about like just the personalities of horses and learning, you know, just how to read them and how to ride them and develop that muscle and that kind of balance. Like that's definitely got to help in the long run.
2: Yeah, for sure. And like the other thing to touch on about the, the career in rodeo too, like I want to see rodeo is moving in such a great way at the moment with the, in the institution of the cowboy channel, and everything else that's going on, like there's a lot of money being poured in rodeo right now. Like it took over $100,000 to make the national finals. Mm -hmm. You know, like I want kids to see that, that like you can have a real career in rodeo. That's a, a realistic thing that you could have a real career. Like you could transition yourself and get your whole college tuition paid for, have a degree and do something that you truly love to do on a professional level that you can make, a real living at for 10, 15 years, however long you want to do it, and then transition into the next chapter of your life. Like, I know that in high school and junior high, the most, the thing you see is a saddle at the end of the year and the points that come with it. But listening to your body and making sure that you're prepared to uh, get on whatever you're getting on and not damage yourself in the future and having someone that's willing to say that to you and hold you back if you're not ready you will not be disappointed in the outcome that comes later on in your life look at the big Mm -hmm. picture not what's right in front of you
0: i think that's great advice for parents too like that was one of my questions but i feel like you pretty much just answered that like don't be afraid to hold your kids back and let it fuel their fire until they're physically and mentally ready to take on that task to to take on that fight
2: essentially well if you hold a kid back that's got that in them if you say you're just not ready to get on it well if they start bang, they might bang their scoreboard out three times a day instead of one time a week you know like if they got that if they got that fight in them that desire to do it they'll go to w- they'll go f- find a way to show you that they're ready to do it
0: Mm-hmm. And get in the weight room be- join a wrestling team
2: yeah or anything you know like in you know, I think, I think it honestly, like going back to high school, it is so important to play other sports besides rodeo, you know, make yourself an athlete at the end of the day, like love every bit of what you do in junior high and high school, like take that time and and just love it because you'll never get that back. And I know people say that that's a cliche, but it's true. It's the same way in college, like you'll never get that time back that, that fun period in your life, but experience everything. I know rodeo is a, a lot of love for a lot of people. And once you, once you dabble and you love rodeo, you probably never love anything as much, but go play other sports and and try to have as much enjoyment in them cuz it's only going to better your game at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, and I've seen I've seen parents like they'll um they'll cut people, like they'll cut their kids off. Like they don't they want them to focus on one thing and get good at one thing. And see, I like I think I see what they're saying there, but also I feel like how what if it's for them? What if that's their sport? that's just always been something that's I've thought about.
2: Yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, it's tough to, to talk back to your parents, but you know, just having a voice saying like, I really like doing this. Like I would really like to do this. Um, so yeah, I mean just where there's a will, there's a way at the end of the day.
1: So you put on schools, you said?
2: Yeah, I do usually one school a year in November. Uh, we've, we've done it for the last four years, I believe. And now we're, uh, I think we're going to continue it this year. We haven't really talked much about it. We usually talk about it in August, but usually we do a school in Veneto, Oklahoma, first weekend of November. Only horses. We don't do bulls, but usually it's Wade Sundell is the main instructor myself, and then I'll bring in Jesse Pope or anybody else that I'm traveling with. Wade brings in his traveling partners and buck a lot of horses, have a lot of fun, help a lot of kids and raise money, and then we give that money to somebody in need.
0: That's yeah. an awesome
1: deal. Yeah, it is. Coming off of kids, um, when they get on, they get on horses that they're not ready for. Do you think getting on that first horse and getting totally just bushwhacked and pile drived, do you think that, does that fuel them or does it like, do you think it depends on the person?
2: I think it depends on the person. You're going to find out that person right away, too. Yeah. Um Depending on how hard they hit the ground though too, but like you know, if you just get thrown off and you get thrashed a little bit and uh yeah. it's not a bad wreck, and uh you get up and that kid's hungry for another one, like I want to do this again, like then you can see the fire, but if you see someone that kind of hits the ground like really not that bad, like they tucked and rolled out of it like it wasn't a bad slam or anything like that, like yeah, and they don't want to play the game like you can usually tell, right? that yeah. mm-hmm. I, there's just to tell right like I've played this game long enough you can tell who wants it and you can tell who's not and like there is a difference like if you get absolutely hammered to the ground and it takes it out of you like it takes it out of you at the end of the day like that's a long ways from the top to the bottom if you catch the end of it like
1: mm-hmm. so
2: yeah, yeah I mean it's having good people around to see that and be like man maybe you should take the rest of the day off and I'll tell kids that too like that I can tell that they don't want to do and you can usually tell the demeanor of somebody at a school like I'm talking about schools in general like you see the kids that want to go and get on you see the kids that are a little little nervy when the horses run in and they kind of get they kind of start veering to the back of the crowd and Pretty soon the day's over and they hadn't gotten on anything and I say, shoot, I'm going to, maybe I'll try tomorrow or something like that. But like, you can just tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like I said, I'm never going to force anyone to run their hand in a rigging that doesn't want to be there either.
1: Yeah.
2: Like there's been you a actually- situation where there was a, there was a young man that, that did not want to be there. He was getting pushed into it by his dad. And I told him at the end of the day, I was like, I'm going to give you your money back for the school. You're not going to get on a bucking horse but you can come all three days. Like you can get on, like you can still participate in anything that we do, but you're not going to get on a buck and horse. I'm not going to let you get on a buck and horse and so on and so forth. You know, like mm-hmm. we do situations like that too. Like I'm not going to take somebody's money that doesn't want to do this either.
0: Well, I think that like, that's a, a good opportunity for them that you still let them stay there. You can still be a cowboy and not be a rough stock rider, right? Like you can still be very involved with, you know, behind the shoot stuff, loading the horses, watching the pickup, men. like there's so much more to it. Like we talked about in the beginning, like the production side of it and to keep things rolling, you might find that, or that kid might find that I absolutely have a burning desire for rodeo, but I am not a rough stock rider. I am not, I'm not a competitor and that's okay.
1: Yeah. yeah there's like, nothing wrong with that. So junior high I rode bareback steers and, and then in my high school I um, hadn't gotten on any horses so I you know I, I just said I'm gonna try roping and you know there's always that like me and my cousins and the moreheads we always joke around about ro- ropers and stuff just for fun and and like it isn't and now like I'm not and now like i am that, and now i am the roper you know I'm the roper of the family so it, it it doesn't you can be in it in any different ways like it just because I haven't rode in high school yet or made any big old progress like getting on ever in my first horse like I still feel like I'm a part of it and that's that's a big deal
0: you bet so you've got a mom and you've got a wife and you've got children now like how do they feel when you get hung up and like especially in high school and stuff I'm sure your mom like I know she'd been around it for a long time and stuff but it's still different when it's your own kid like how how did that go for you and what suggestions do you have the the moms in the stands who are just like looking through their fingers
2: yeah I mean my mom used to never watch my brother get on a buck like get on a bowl she'd always magically have to go to the bathroom when it was <laughs> that time and uh uh you know I don't I don't know like I now having two children like I get an anxiety about the fact that my kids might want to do what I do when I when they grow up so uh I think the best thing that you can do as a parent is put your kids in situations to be taught by the best people that they can. So they can uh, make sure that those situations happen as little as possible. And if they do happen, they know how to get themselves out of it without having to rely on the pickup men or the bullfighters or so on Mm -hmm. and so forth. So uh, I think that's the best way to be able to deal with the anxiety of your kids getting on rough stock is making sure that you give them an opportunity to know, 100% on what to do if they ever get into a bad situation.
0: Yeah. yeah. And if you're willing to pay the entry fee, be willing to pay the tuition for the lessons so they can compete to the best of their ability.
2: Yeah. Just because you have a rigging and a glove doesn't mean you're a bareback rider.
0: Right. Very good. And then if somebody was like, somebody's listened to this, there's some kid out there and they're like, gosh, John, I'm on fire. Like, I am that dog. I've got that fight. Like, I'm ready to go to battle how do you recommend that they get involved or where can they get involved?
2: I mean, I would look up, first off, if you're just getting into the sport and you don't have anybody else to help you, like, you know, you're a young kid, you're a first-generation cowboy, like you need to go to a school, 100%. Start looking online, go find, there's schools that go on all the time. Um, Not usually in the summer, but in the spring and the fall, there's always schools that pop up all around everywhere. Ace High Rodeo Academy is a free school with professional athletes that usually come to it that the surveys put on. Uh, they don't charge kids any money to come to the tuition, um, and they usually bring in NFR Cowboys to help teach it. I know that one's been going on for a while. Like I said, like our school, we do charge, but our your tuition is going to usually – we've never kept a dime of it. We've always given all the tuition away to a cowboy in need, so that's kind of our thing about it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I would definitely, whatever you do, go find a school. And from there, you're going to learn how to build a spur board and how to ride a spur board fundamentally correct. And you're going to get on some horses and you're going to feel the real thing. And uh, someone that's just learning or just starting, that's 100% what I would do. If uh, the next thing, like then start looking in, if you're in high school, look into what state, if you can do high school rodeo or junior high rodeo, Uh, what events and you know dabble in all the events you know like I dabbled in a little bit of team roping figured out I didn't team rope very good and uh Mm -hmm. I shoot dogged and realized I was 95 pounds that wasn't a great idea but I'd like dabble around in the sport of rodeo like just because you know you know my dad was a pickup man my dad never got on rough stock you know like Mm -hmm. dabble around till you find what and I mean find what you love to do
0: Yeah. There's a family right now in Iowa and the oldest boy like is an avid roper. Like he's gritty. He wants it. And the second brother, like he likes to go along and now they have the rifle shooting. And he is like the best pen back guy ever. Like he is back there working the pens. He is sorting cattle. He's sorting like, he's a young kid, but that's his place in there. And the younger ones coming up and he hasn't found his place yet, but like we said before, it's okay. Like dabble, figure out where you fit and go ahead and in. there's a place for everyone.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. So for a young rodeo athlete
1: who is kind of not on there in a slump or not very motivated, how do you stay motivated with everything you do, whether it be anything working out, riding bucking horses?
2: Friends do every day. Like, like, you got you to gotta be 1% better than what you were yesterday, every day. Like, you got to find a way. If you're not motivated, you're not going to make it in this sport. Like, I'll tell you that right now. Like, you got to find your – you got to dig down deep every day and figure out how to be 1% better today than you were yesterday. Like, yeah. you got to have your goals. You got to write your goals out so you see your goals. And, uh, you know, you got to figure out how to attain those goals. And sitting around not doing anything related to your goals is not going to – it's only going to take you back. Like if you use a knife, what's it do? It dulls it. So what do you got to do? You got to sharpen it back up. Well, if you're going to use your knife every day, you got to sharpen it every day.
1: Yeah, no, that.
0: But uh, yeah, it's good. <clears throat> yeah. We're down to the last few minutes. So what else you got, Wade? Um, well,
1: I just. I know as, like, I look at you as top-notch. You know, I look up to you, and I appreciate everything you do for everybody. It's it's great. Um, I hope one day I am able to do follow in your footsteps.
2: Well, if mm-hmm. you ever need anything, you got my number. Like, I looked up to your dad when I was rodeoing, so you don't have a bad bareback rider in your household, I'll tell you that.
1: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
0: Is there, are there like books or podcasts or like, what do you do to sharpen your knife? Clearly you're very physically active. Um, You work on your mindset, but what are things that you do every day to get that 1% better?
2: I mean, I surround myself, like I just surround myself with winners, right? Like, um, I still live in the college town that I went to because I knew that this was going to be the best place to, uh, you know, make my craft better. So just surround yourself like with like I have a personal trainer that works me out five days a week. So like surrounding yourself with people that that want the same thing that you do for you and, you Mm -hmm. know, finding your village of people that if your goal is to be a state champion in high school, you got to find people that have done it and figure out what they did because they just didn't do it by accident. Nothing's done by accident. Even if they tell you they didn't do anything, they're naturally good at. That's a lie. There's 100 percent lies in that. So just finding mm-hmm. people that want the best for you and that are goal like and you just gotta be motivated and show them that like it's not just you out there. Like when I won a world title, it wasn't just me winning that world title. That was my my wife being the rock and foundation for some mental support. It was my trainers that got me physically ready. It was my coach that sharpened me on my skill set every day, leading up to it. It was uh the people that helped me break down film on bucking horses. It was there's and then there's people, you know, in our Bible study that just keep you spiritually motivated, you know, like there's there's hundreds of people that were involved and still are involved, there's maybe thousands at this point that have played a role in my life that has motivated me to be a world champion. At the end of the day, you have to have the most desire out of all of them, but you got to find people that want the same goals for you. That's You need to win unapologetically.
0: Right. And that down. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this, Tim. This has been awesome. And clearly, if anybody's going to be encouraged, you're a great person to encourage them because you've been there, you've done that, and you continue to strive for those things. And, um, you know, you're such an awesome role model. You're a God-fearing man. You're going out there after your goals. You're making it happen. You're getting 1% better all the time. and. You know, we're lucky to have people like you in this sport because you're what keeps it going. You're you, people like you are the backbone of this that that make this sport and and encourage kids to to continue growing this sport. So thank you for that.
2: Well, I appreciate like,
0: it. I know as an individual, looking at your story
1: pushes me. So appreciate it.
2: Well, don't make it don't forget, like I grew up in a town of 95. Yeah. Right <laughs> by the moorhead. Like. I'm a small town kid that just wouldn't take no for an answer at the end of the day. I mean, if that's not the true story, like you don't have to come from a world champion bareback rider to be a world champion bareback rider or a world champion roper to be a world champion roper. You just have to have a desire in your heart and not take no for an answer at the end of the day.
0: Well, on that note, we will call it a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us today. Know about you guys, but the dog inside of me is barking. It is ready to get out there and compete and practice and put my skills to the test. So I hope that this fired you up as well. And I just want to remind you that. Tim talked about how important it is to have a team, and that is one thing that can be really difficult in the rodeo industry because it's an individual sport, but it takes, like he said, maybe even thousands of people along the way who have helped him, and that's what Rodeo Kids is all about. Developing that support system, helping you have the team, not only as youth competitors, but as parents. You guys have so much on your plate. You're raising these kids to be fine young ladies and gentlemen and cowboys and cowgirls and You don't have to do it all on your own. Kids, you don't have to do it all on your own either. And that's why Rodeo Kids has the Rodeo Kids Ambassador Team. It is an awesome opportunity for youth to get involved, to work together, to build their skills both inside and outside of the arena. Another thing about rodeo being an individual sport is that it can be so easy to focus on the physical side of things, but maybe not have the support system or even just Um, the person to point out the thought processes of it and to help develop your mental game. And that's what the Rodeo Kids team is about. You will be, as an ambassador, you get to join a team of youth competitors who are striving to be their best selves inside and outside of the arena. And gosh, if that isn't your goal, we need to reassess because life is about rodeo. It's about being competitive, but it's also about community, having the journey is wonderful. Reaching the destination is amazing, getting the trophies and the goals, but none of it's worth it without the community. So we want to help you build your community, help you build your skills both inside and outside the arena, get you in front of and in contact with more people like Tim O'Connell, like Ted News, like world champions, business owners, pastors, people who want to see you succeed. You guys are the future of this industry. You're the future of this country. You're the future of everything. And we want to support you in creating those opportunities so you can be the best that you can be, again, both inside and outside the arena. So head over to rodeokids.com and join now we have until april 30th for our ambassador team we're going to cut it off so that we can make sure that you guys get the best of it and you can grow together as Up till april 30th to get signed up and we want you to be a part of it it's amazing it's awesome and it is here for you always thank you guys for listening good luck safe travels god bless and let us know if we can help you in any way